You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Hi, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dogmaster and the trainer of Rex on the hit TV series Hudson and Rex. This week, we're looking at dog breeders and how they should and shouldn't operate. Welcome to How to Dog. Figuring out what breed of dog to buy is a challenging process. If you're planning to buy a purebred dog, then you have to look into the history of the breed and find out about the breeders that you intend to use. Similarly, if you plan to get a rescue dog or a foster dog from a humane society, there are lots of things to be mindful of. So stay tuned. There's lots of valuable information heading your way. Do you have a favorite purebred? Well, I've always liked a good sourdough. (laughs) Hi, everyone. A reminder that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be professional advice. Always consult with an expert when taking care of your own doggo. Over to you, Sherry. My first guest today spends a lot of her time making sure that dogs are safe, treated well, and bred with proper ethical standards. Barbara Cartwright is the Chief Executive Officer at Humane Canada, which is the Federation of Humane Societies and similar organizations across Canada, such as the Societies for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, or otherwise known as the SPCAs. She specializes in ensuring animal welfare, conservation, and education. Barbara, welcome to How to Dog. One thing that I find is people don't know exactly what Humane Canada is. Everybody knows about, uh, you know, the SPCAs and that kind of stuff. But then when I was telling some of my coworkers, uh, you know, oh, I'm pretty excited. And they're like, but what is that? And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to find that out first. So could you indulge us with that? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I think we're Canada's best kept secret. Um, And we're pretty unique in the world, actually. So Humane Canada represents humane societies and SPCAs. One of the interesting things is that humane societies and SPCAs are one of the oldest social institutions in our country. We've actually had them with us since one year post-Confederation. So the Canadian SPCA, which is now known as the Montreal SPCA, has been around for 151 years, which is amazing. And so about 65, 63 years ago, uh, humane societies and SPCAs from across the country came together to form what used to be known as the Canadian Federation of Humane Societies in order to work on the root causes of the animal welfare issues that show up at humane societies and SPCA's doors every day. So we work on things like pet overpopulation. We work on improving the the laws in order to better protect animals. And we come together and bring our voice together to advocate for those changes. And about three years ago, we changed our name to Humane Canada because our vision is exactly that, and we wanted to live into our vision. So what unites humane societies and SPCAs across the country is we all have a common goal of making Canada a more humane place. And so we thought, let's change our name. Let's every time we talk to somebody, let them know who we are and what our values are and that we want a humane Canada. And so we changed our name and we continue our great work to make this country a more humane place for all animals. 
So on this note, uh, it's going to bring me right into a little sensitive subject again, puppy mills. So is there a way that the consumer can find out if it's a puppy mill? Like, I, I think a, a lot of times, uh, you know, Oh, it's such a it's such a hard road to travel. And, you know, you think you're doing the best and you're researching and you're talking to people and you're like, oh, you know, and you think you've done good. And then you find out that, oh, my gosh, they had 700 dogs at this property when I showed up to get my dog or, you know, is there an easier way like to find out? I know now there's a lot of dogs being bought on the Internet, which I don't maybe you can help me out. I can. So, so the first and foremost thing is buyer beware. Sadly, it shouldn't be this way. You have to do your homework and you have to be willing to make the hard decisions because they're going to come. So the first thing I would say, of course, because where, where I'm coming from is adopt. If you, and by adopt, I don't mean, I I see this now happening where people are actually buying animals, but they call it adopting. No, adopt. Go to your local humane society, go to your local SPCA, your municipal animal shelter, because there you're going to get a guarantee of care and of health of the animal and that you're not contributing to puppy mills. That's, that is like your hundred percent fail safe way to make this happen. Okay. The next is, okay, I, I don't want to do that. I want to purchase my animal. That's when the work becomes harder for you. If you want to purchase your animal, you need to find an ethical breeder. And there are ethical breeders out there. But unfortunately, the internet really has enabled a cacophony, a ton of unethical breeders and puppy mills to parade or masquerade as ethical breeders, sometimes as rescues, sometimes as they're adopting animals. And so it becomes the buyer who has to, unfortunately, in this current system, make sure that they're not supporting a puppy mill or an unethical breeder. And there are signs, and you just mentioned one, right? Like you see it on the internet, you love it. It's the most adorable dog you've ever seen. You have that immediate heart connection and then you go to pick it up and there's, it's a mass breeding operation and you don't know what to do. So the first thing is, is don't get too attached to anyone until you've gone and seen the conditions that the animal is being raised in. And that's, I think, Sherry, to be honest with you, I think that is the number one problem is that we go back to what we talked about at the beginning, where we as humans, we, we, we're so heart driven and we see this animal online and we fall in love and it doesn't matter what you say. I want that dog <laughs> Yeah, that dog and me have a connection and then we'll go to any lengths to get it. We'll spend any amount of money as we've seen thousands and thousands of dollars And if we find it's in a bad condition, we even more want to rescue it because we don't want our dog in that situation. So you have to be careful not to get attached and you have to ask the questions up front. So for example, things like how long have you been breeding dogs? When you meet ethical breeders, they really stand out because they're incredibly passionate about the breed. They're incredibly in love with the animal that they're, that they're working with. And so of course the, the longer that a a breeder has been working with that breed, you're going to see that they have more knowledge. Be very aware of someone who's breeding multiple types of animals, multiple dogs, 
Okay, that's great information. Yeah, absolutely. The more animals they're breeding, the more chances they're a backyard breeder or a puppy mill, not an actual ethical breeder. You want to ask things like how many litters uh, have you bred, right? And this is something that I'm concerned about right now with COVID is there's such a high demand for puppies that if, if you go to a breeder and they're like, yeah, we're going to add a couple litters this year, then that's a warning sign. You, you don't want a breeder who, you want a breeder who has thought through the health implications for the female, right? And they shouldn't be breeding four, five, six, seven litters a year. Right. Then you're getting into that, churning them out, either backyard breeder or puppy mill. If I'm going to come into a shelter, and I, I find this is a um, a misconception that a lot of people also have, is that those dogs are in there because they're bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not in there because they're bad. Uh, the great thing about also working with the Humane Society or SBCA shelter is that good shelters will actually do behavior testing with the animal when they come in so that they know the animal's behavior and which which person is going to match up really well to that dog's behavior. So no, typically animals are, are surrendered for any number of reasons, but it's often a mismatch, right? So if I'm a sedentary person and I get myself a, um, a border collie, we're going to be mismatched because that border collie needs to get out, needs to run, needs to be active. Same with labs. I probably should have got myself a Great Dane because they just lie around, but I didn't. And so I surrender my animal. Um, the other thing that happens is, is people get puppies and puppies grow and they don't train their puppies. And then at about 10 months is the common time you see an animal surrendered because they're completely out of control because they haven't been trained. So then they come into the shelter, they get their behavior test, they get training, and then they get adopted back out. It's actually, you know, it's too bad they had to be surrendered in the first place. But um, and then, of course, there's times where people have to surrender because their life has changed. Something has changed. They can't keep their dog anymore. They can't afford their dog anymore. Um, and so they have to surrender. Then there's there's multiple reasons why. Well, Barbara, it has been a true pleasure, and I thank you so very much. Hopefully, we can talk again soon. Thank you, Sherry. It's been really enjoyable talking to you. Barbara Cartwright is the Chief Executive Officer of Humane Canada, which is the Federation of Humane Societies and SPCAs across Canada. I'm Sherry Davis, and this is How to Dog. Today, we're talking about dog breeders and how to know whether the breeder you're working with is working with the highest ethical standards. This is a topic very dear to my heart, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people will come to me and they think that they're getting a dog or their friends or family have gotten a dog from a backyard breeder, as they say. Well, we really have to look at what a backyard breeder is. We have to understand what a reputable breeder is. There are many reputable breeders that breed in their homes. Not every breeder has a licensed kennel. Just because they breed in their homes, it does not consider or make them a backyard breeder. In fact, some of those people who are breeding dogs in their homes are some of your best and most reputable breeders. Not every breeder is going to have a full kennel facility. So when you're doing your homework, you want to make sure that you ask for references 
maybe you call their veterinarian and you do a checkup and make sure that, you know, they have a good standing with a veterinarian and that their dogs are all looked after and the puppies are looked after and the adults have been looked after by a veterinarian. And then make your decisions from there. Don't just say because they breed in their home or in their backyard that they're not reputable breeders. My second guest today is Jeanette Foray. She's the founder of 4E Kennels Healing Hearts, which is a nonprofit agency that connects therapy dogs with people that really need them. We spoke to her earlier this season in our episode about dogs and emotional support, but Jeanette is also a top-notch breeder and is the author of The Ultimate Badass Breeder's Guide. Jeanette, welcome back to How to Dog. Thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here. So if I'm correct here, you're not only a dog trainer, but you are a breeder. That's correct. That so many people <laughs> have such a such a very thick judgment about and I'm here to really help change that as well because I really feel like we all want the same thing and if we have higher standards and and better breeding um, our dogs are the ones that will benefit for me uh, as a as a responsible breeder and animal lover if you can't keep one of my dogs that you have taken whether it's a rescue whether it's a, a bred dog whatever bring it back to me it's in a contract Yes, that's what I'm talking about. The very first question, I need your listeners to know this. I need your listeners to do this. The one question they should ask, the first question they should ask before they ever, ever take a dog in, can I return this dog? Not that you're going to, not that you have the intention to, but it really, really defines very, very quickly if that's where you should get your dog. The oldest pair of dogs that I have brought back to me, uh, the... Um, the one, uh, boy, he, it, they had taken two pops from me and one was 12 and one was nine and a half when they were returned because she had triplets and the, they, they had a little animosity between, you know, the dogs being their only kids for nine and a half, 12 years. And now triplets came into play and it was just too much. And I'm like, bring them, bring them home. It's home. Uh, I'm, I'm their home. Like bring them back. And who better to do it than you? And then you can reevaluate the dogs and then place them to meet their needs with a new human. Like it's just at the end of the day, that is the responsible thing to do. And you shouldn't ever take a dog from someone if you can't return it. I don't care if it's a shelter, a rescue group, uh, someone on Craigslist, a broker. What the first thing you should ask is, can I return this dog? And if they're, if you cannot, or they're not established enough that you could never find them again, that's the problem. Quit promoting and filling the pockets of illegitimate, irresponsible breeders. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And there's definitely a lot of other things. Do they have a website? Is there a lot of pictures? Is there a lot of video? Are they really transparent? Is there a lot of reviews? Are they well-established? You know, I, I know there's been, it's also, and you know, having puppies on the ground, it's scary to let people in because parvo can come in so easily and distemper can come in so easily and the K flu can come in and people can bring in things. And then if you have more than one mama and you've got a brand new mom, I've literally had puppies killed because they jump up to bark like they're just protecting their puppies and they're not paying attention where their feet are and they've accidentally stepped on their puppy. And it's like, heart wrenching. So yeah. I absolutely still support breeders, not always allowing people in or doing it in a safe way or on the side of the yard or 
So I, I just yeah. want to throw that out there too, just because there is some pr- um, protection I think is good, but it shouldn't be privacy. Does that make sense? The difference? Absolutely. You know, I, it's so funny. I say to people all the time, I interview my doctor, I'll interview my dentist, I'll interview, you know, I'm going to interview my breeder. I'm going to interview my vet. I'm going to interview my, my dog trainer. You know, the way I train is not for everybody. I'm the first one to admit that, you know, the, and you know, the way I train one of my dogs is not the way I train another one of my dogs. They all learn in different ways. There's a hundred ways to teach a set. There's a hundred ways to have a dog do different things. So, you know, as a, as a rounded trainer, as you well know, you must be able to adapt your training skills to that particular animal. And at the end of the day, it's black or white. There's no gray area with an animal. And I don't care what kind of animal it is. Um, it's right or it's wrong. And it's these people who, you know, they allow the dog to jump up sometimes and then they don't allow the dog to jump up or they allow the dog to bark and then they don't allow the dog to bark. And, you know, there is no gray area. And I say to people who get puppies, you start it young. If you're not going to let them on your furniture or in your bed. Don't start. I know. Be consistent and fair. It's a communication issue. Like I, I train people to something as simple as my dog keeps jumping on me. I say, okay, how do you respond? We push him off and say no. I said, okay, so you use your hands and you push back into their space. You're actually playing with them. You're actually inviting them to jump back on you. That's how they play with each other, you know? Like, And so it's just this lack of communication. They're, again, they're not communicating correctly with the dog or meeting their needs in order. They're treating them like a human. We're doing human behaviors. That's how we would, you know get it across, stop, move, get off me. Um, but it's, it's definitely something to be able to honor and respect our dogs. Like even you said in training, every dog trains differently and you have to know, you have to respect a dog enough to know that they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. And just like our eight week old puppies, we respect them enough to know they're not all the same. And they, they can't, even though they're eight weeks old and they can absolutely change. And we also know, depending on the human they're with, can absolutely change the way they manifest behaviors. And um, if fear isn't handled correctly, how could be a problem? And separation anxiety can become a problem by mismanagement. But um, they absolutely have a voice. And it's it's our job to truly honor that and give that to them and respect them, respect them for who they are. You know, they're flawed like we're flawed. We're going to develop a website where you can match with your dog. We'll do like a, a canine eHarmony. I need more, I need more trainers. Really, if we, again, we need to all join forces together, we're better. We need to unite the rescue world, our trainers, our breeders, our owners, because our dogs do deserve more. I absolutely agree. And I cannot thank you enough. We will see each other in the future. Sounds good. Thank you again so much for inviting me. Jeanette Foray is a dog breeder and the author of The Ultimate Badass Breeder's Guide. I hope this episode has helped clear up some of the misconceptions about humane societies and rescue agencies. Hopefully, it's also given you some things to think about when deciding on what kind of dog you want and where you want to get it, as well as best breeder practices. Hudson Rex returns with all new episodes this January on City TV and catch up anytime on City TV Plus, the City TV app, or at CityTV.com. If you have time, please rate, review, and follow us in your podcast player of choice.
now it's time for Fun Dog Facts. Dogs' noses are amazing, as you've heard many times on How to Dog. But did you know that when a dog smushes its nose against a window, it's like us leaving fingerprints? No two dogs have the same nose print. Now, in terms of figuring out which one of your dogs broke into the bag of cookies, their nose print probably isn't how you'll find the culprit. Maybe just seek out the dog with the guiltiest look on its face. But it could be a useful way of identifying a dog. So much so that pet food maker Iams has been developing an app called Nose ID, which allows you to scan your dog's nose with your smartphone and upload it to a database. So if your dog ever gets lost, it could be identified by its schnoz. How to Dog is hosted by Sherry Davis. Produced by me, Davin Langell. And me, Adam Killick. Executive producers, Christina Jennings, Scott Garvey, and Sherry Davis. Editing and mixing also by me, Adam Killick. Research by the amazing Nicole Saltz. How to Dog is a Shaftesbury podcast produced in association with Rogers Sports and Media Incorporated and part of the Frequency Podcast Network. You can find more great shows at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. Copyright 2023, Shaftesbury.